0: analog hi welcome to the 22nd episode of analog thoughts i'm going to skip the intros and just kind of get right into the meat of the episode First and foremost, maximum spoiler warning. If you haven't watched the Barbie movie yet, go and watch it before listening to this episode. And if you've seen the Barbie movie, then you probably already know why I decided to talk about it. Um, This is also kind of just another warning. I'm going to be talking about the psychological and spiritual implications of this movie, rather than talk about the actors and production and that side of the movie um obviously i am going to touch on those things because how can you not if you're talking about a movie but if you're looking for a bunch of like behind the scenes stuff that's not going to be this episode this is a dissection of like what i what i said um some of the deeper pieces of what this movie offers i feel like you can already get loads of production and behind the scenes stuff just by doing some internet searches so I'm not going to beat that horse to death. Also, I just don't really feel like that would be in the nature of this podcast. So anyway, my first job was actually at a movie theater. I worked there for four and a half years. And I have really fond memories of going to the movies with my friends. And it was, it was like this experience that went beyond just going to a building to watch a movie you were going there and you were sharing an experience with your friends and you would talk about the movie and you, you, you know, you'd share laughs, you'd share tears, you'd share the emotional connection with them and you'd go through that experience together. And not only did I feel it during this four and a half years when I worked at the movie theater and like watched every movie that came out during that time, I felt it before then. I feel, I feel like it was a, it was a really big piece of my childhood and it was a really big it was this special thing and i'm gonna like i'm gonna sound like an old man here but um in the 90s and i feel like 2000s it there was this and before that you know like for many years before that but for me personally when i was growing up going to the movies felt different than it did now it was this big special occasion where you would kind of make a whole evening out of it the getting ready to go to the movies getting into the lobby smelling the popcorn having seen like commercials play previews for the movie you were about to go see and then going in and having that experience with your friends or family and like i feel like today some of that experience is lost because of streaming even though you can watch these movies and share those laughters and share those emotions from the comfort of your own home, it just feels different i don't I don't want to say it like degrades the experience it just feels it just doesn't feel the same as going to the movies if that makes sense. I feel like the Barbie movie was really good at getting people excited to go to the movies with their friends and excited to make a whole evening of it and it was it if i feel like for people it was more than just going to see a movie it was it was a whole experience people dressed up and people were going in big groups and it sort of tapped into this uh sense of nostalgia for going to the movies we've kind of seen it for some things like big uh intellectual properties or big characters and icons that have like like harry pot for harry potter or for star wars people get dressed up and they they camp out in lines and they, you know, they they wait for the movie to drop and it's like this big, just being there as a whole production in tandem with experiencing the production of the movie itself. Um, so we have had some of those in the last few decades, but I feel like Barbie was a really heavy hitter. I didn't go on opening, on the opening night or anything, I went like weeks later But there were still quite a few people there and I did go with friends and we all did have a really good time. People who went and saw the movie together were emotionally invested and excited to be there together and they were laughing and crying with Barbie and with each other. And I think because of this uh, because of this cultural phenomenon aspect of it which I don't know if you want to call it a cultural phenomenon I feel like it, it, it was something that was kind of planned in the marketing of of this movie, they knew that a lot of people were going to go see it, and a lot of people were going to hopefully resonate with it, which I feel like people have. Um, but I think because of this sense of togetherness that it's 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 brought with moviegoers, and this sense of like fun and zaniness, and and just like being over the top and silliness, it's going to get this. It's going to, whether you like it or not. It's going to get this classic cult movie um, treatment to it if that makes sense, like, like it's going to have the Rocky horror picture show, uh, element to it where people are going to do special screenings at theaters and people are going to dress up and, um, people are going to like do antics during certain scenes. And there's going to be this whole culture that develops around going to see this movie. I I think that the Barbie movie is going to evolve or mutate into that style of movie experience in the future which would be really cool because the last the last movie i can think of that really did that was um the room or at least that's the last movie i went to that had like people were throwing plastic forks at the screen and everyone was like screaming at the screen whenever there were panning water shots and there were all these like there were all these things that were like if you know you you do the thing and they and it was just it going to that movie was more than just going to a movie it was like participating in an experience and i think that eventually barbie will have that like there'll probably be costume contests or maybe like best ken or best barbie contests and just stuff like that i could see i could like honestly see that happening in the not too distant future and behind Behind all the bubblegum and, and, and pink and feel-goodedness, I don't know if that's a word or a phrase, but I'm saying it, feel-goodedness of this movie. This movie is an existential journey, which is why one of the main reasons I wanted to cover this um, movie on a podcast episode, because I feel like a lot of my topics deal with uh, existentialism. It's one of the big reasons I did uh, uh, an episode on everything, everywhere, all at once, and it's a big reason that I'm doing this episode. I feel like a lot of the themes and motifs and uh, directions in this movie parallel with uh, spiritual, metaphysical thoughts. And this movie is Barbie trying to figure out who Barbie is, and it's Ken trying to figure out who Ken is. And it's also something else, too it's like a look at us as individuals and as a society to figure out who we all are as women, as men, as everything in between, as mothers, as fathers, as sons, as daughters, as um consumers. And that's the that's the thing with this movie. It's funny because Barbie as a brand and as an icon is this glittery, bubblegum, shiny thing. But also, um, Barbie is this symbol of female empowerment and progress, but also this symbol of feminine stereotypes simultaneously. So Barbie is this really complex thing, just like reality, and just like existing. And the movie addresses all of this in a really beautiful way. And it's really self-aware. It knows what it is, which is really cool, too. And what's really neat about the people who wrote and directed this movie is that they understood that people will come see this movie for nostalgia, for the bubblegum, and for the happy-go-lucky time. And the movie, like, even though they knew people were coming for that, they they do deliver that. They give you all of those elements, all those, like, silly, comedic, bright pink, beautiful things... Um, But the creators did a really great thing as well by allowing the movie to hold a deeper perspective on the human condition and writing it in with the bubblegum and with the pink and with the zaniness. they They sort of like smuggled it in this they, they smuggled in these deep concepts and they brought them to the masses, and they fed them something they maybe didn't expect they used i don't want to say they like spiritually um weaponized cuz weaponized is is the wrong word but they like sp- they they packaged this spiritual bundle and this existential bundle into something that was really um silly and fun and 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 crazy the writers of this were really smart to do that You get Barbie and all of her pink glory and beauty, and you you simultaneously get to think about why you exist. And there's this saying that some things are beautifully decorated boxes with nothing inside, which means kind of like there's a lot of fluff. You know, there's a lot of frills, there's a lot of fluff. It's a really pretty song, but the lyrical content doesn't really have anything much to say other than like, let's have a good time, or like, I love you which is all well and good. But, um, that saying a beautifully decorated box with nothing inside sort of applies to that standard applies, applies to that concept. Um, I think, I think that the Barbie movie is a beautifully decorated box with a lot inside of it. I guess in this instance, it's more appropriate to use an example, like, like in my opinion, Avatar, it's a beautiful movie beautiful uh, cinematography, effects are beautiful, all of the CGI is astounding. It's a beautifully decorated box with nothing inside. The plot leaves so much to be desired. I haven't seen the new Avatar movie. I can't speak on that, but I saw the first one, and that's how I feel about it. Beautifully decorated box with nothing inside. Um, Barbie is a beautifully decorated box with a lot inside. It pulls off being a comedy full of fun and jokes and silliness while being all of these other things too. Is it a corporate intellectual property whose goal is to make money? Yes, it absolutely is. Mattel wanted to make money with this. They wanted to t- They wanted to sell tickets and also sell toys, but luckily the creation of this movie fell into the right hands. When I was doing some research for this podcast, uh, there there are actually a lot of stories, or I don't want to say a lot, but there are several stories where the writers, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, uh, the writers of this movie, go up to bat against the people at Mattel to keep scenes in the movie notably one of the one of the scenes where Barbie meets an elderly woman on a bench and tells her that she's beautiful and also some of the scenes where Barbie meets her maker in the like white plane of existence with the soft colors closer to the end of the movie are two examples of um of Mattel asking them to omit scenes or change scenes and them saying no because this is our create this is our creative vision and I know you guys want to maximize your profits and think that people will think x y or z but just trust us in our vision and what we want to make this movie rather than what you think will make the most money (laughs) so kudos to them for standing their ground and really letting the movie exist how it needed to exist the movie is really pretty and they could have gone full cgi mode on it but they really didn't the scenery in Barbie Land is all handmade and hand-painted and really bright and vibrant. And that alone is a serious feat of human achievement. It's art, and it's intertwined with the nature of this movie. Looking at this toy, this person, this creation, living in this beautiful yet superficial, artificial, perfect world that really could have only been done effectively, in my opinion, by hand. The perspectives, the color palette, um, the vibrance. The colors specifically are an homage to Technicolor cinema, but through the lens of Barbie. And I was kind of thinking about the way that this movie reminds me of Pee-wee's Big Adventure or um, any of the Ernest movies. There are these... There are these almost like rules. There's the way that the that the world works. For instance, with Pee-Wee Herman, R.A.P., Pee Wee Herman always has this serendipitous way of always coming out on top. Even when the chips are down, he finds a way. Or like in his world, it's 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 full of crazy contraptions and weird experiments that somehow always work. Even though they're they obviously in the real world would never work. They always do for him. And, and Barbie's the same way, at least in Barbieland. Everything is glitz and glam, and she can slide down a slide in this perfect posture, in the whole, like all the way down, and with her legs straight out, and fall perfectly down her, her dream home into her car until everything starts to crack, of course. My point here is that everything parallels with things like Pee Wee or Ernest. When she's in Barbie land, it's larger than life and everything cascades how it's supposed to just like a child's perception of Barbie. And that sort of parallels with the child perception of, of Pee Wee Herman's mind where he's existing in this, in this almost like imagination world that he's created for himself. So of course, everything's going to go off without a hitch. And it's like that. It's like that in the Barbie movie, everything in Barbie land is Encased around this childlike sense of imagination, and that just takes that just goes back to the nature of the set design. Everything needed to look tangible and playful, and they did a really amazing job at um, capturing that essence. They captured it in the costumes too they're perfect and glamorous that's the life of a Barbie and the life of a Ken. no cracks or blemishes or imperfections, just good, happy. Times full of fun and glam. And this is where some of the beauty of the writing really starts to shine through. When Margot Robbie, a.k.a. Stereotypical Barbie, cracks during the dance number in Barbie Land. Because she, um... She, like, kind of... For lack of a better term, I'm going to use this term spirit-bonded. Uh, She spirit-bonded with a person in the real world... That is going through some real struggles and real problems. And for decades in the real world. Not in the movie real world. But in the actual real world real world. Barbie has had this backlash or hate. From people who see her as this standard of unattainable perfection. And it has indeed actually created these subconscious standards. For women and girls and boys for a long time. And eventually these kids grew up, and they realize that things aren't perfect like Barbie. The character in the Barbie movie played by America Ferreira, Gloria, is one of these kids who grew up and realized everything is not perfect, and now I'm going through it. And now that she's grown up, her thoughts lean into existential dread, thinking about aging, thinking about death, thinking about life. And Barbie feels this. Since Gloria has been playing with her daughter's doll as Gloria works for Mattel and is trying to get new ideas and inspirations, Barbie in Barbie Land picks up on this. She starts to feel this piece of darkness, this existential dread. And this whole scenario is also a look at how Mattel has impacted society in general. They've been somewhat forced to be open about that over the decades and especially today also on the flip side barbies have been empowering women as well it's not just been uh look at this unattainable standard they've been empowering and barbies without a doubt and have encouraged kids to strive for bigger things they've encouraged women to think of themselves as doctors and scientists and presidents and and things in in the real world, and and to go beyond being homemakers and housekeepers. That was actually the intention of the creator of Barbie, Ruth Handler. Uh, Way back in the 50s, she saw her daughter Barbara playing with paper dolls and thought, man, it would be cool to make a uh, dress-up doll that could get kids thinking about what they'd like to be when they grow up. So her intentions with this were good. At the time, there were only... At the time, there were only really baby dolls available in the United States. And that's why we see at the beginning of the Barbie movie, the whole 2001 uh, Space Odyssey. These these little girls are slamming their baby dolls on the ground like, We're done with these toys! And then Barbie shows up in her... Uh, Barbie shows up for them and they're like, Whoa Things started with good intentions. Ruth Handler had this sense of wanting to, uh, create feminine empowerment in the, in the kids that were playing with these toys. And speaking of playing with these toys, let's go ahead and talk about weird Barbie, <laughs> a toy who had been played with too much well, or a little too hard in the Barbie universe. But the way that I look at weird Barbie is that she is the shaman of Barbie land She's been played with too hard, and she's seen some things. She's seen past the veil and knows things that the other Barbies don't. And the Barbies respect her, but they also kind of fear her because she's different and weird. But she has had the biggest dose of reality. She's seen things that the other Barbies haven't, and she knows what needs to be done. And she tells Barbie, if you want to go back to feeling right at peace... You've got to go on a journey. A journey to the real world. And then in true shamanic fashion, she encourages Barbie to find herself, find the human that she has the term I'm using, soul bonded with, which is kinda like, I feel like a representation of the dark part of the psyche that she's trying to ignore. Her dark part of her the dark parts of her mind that she's trying to ignore. And the shaman, the weird Barbie, is encouraging her or is telling her that the only way through this darkness is just that, is to go through it and to find it and to look it straight in the eye and not turn back and try to be, quote, normal again. And this advice embodies the nature of the shaman, finding this true sense of self, finding this true sense of oneness. I would buy a shamanic Barbie if there was one, I looked, and I couldn't really find, like, an official one. So if you find one, link me up. Shaman Barbie. And I'm kind of doing this play-by-play. Just I'm not going to do a play-by-play of the whole movie. Like, you watched the movie. You don't need me to do a play-by-play, because why? But it does help to do, like, a brief play-by-play just to glue things together for the podcast. Um, so Barbie decides to set off to the real world, and Ken sneaks off with her. The portal sequence is one of the coolest parts of the movie where the shaman, Weird Barbie, tells her you have to go through a portal. It's not actually a portal. And then they go through the, quote, portal, and it's, like, them on roller skates, them on a boat, them on a rocket ship, and it's just this... uh, And then, like, them on a tandem bike, and it's just this fun, like, sequence of uh this fun sequence of adventures that they go through to get into the real world. That's the portal, which I thought was really uh just funny and cool and fun. But let's let's talk about Ken a little bit. Overall, for me, he kind of uh he was my favorite. He was my favorite character in the movie. Ryan Gosling crushed the role. In all aspects. And all of the actors did. I don't mean to downplay any of the acting in this movie. Everyone did a really fantastic job. Um, But Ken is going through. In the movie, Ken goes through an existential crisis. Just like Barbie as well. He loves Barbie. And all he knows is Barbie. And all he wants to do is be her boyfriend. And that's what he feels like his purpose is. And also Beach. Not lifeguard. Lifeguard surfer or swimmer but just beach and even in our reality ken is an accessory for barbie he was created because people kept telling mattel that barbie needed a boyfriend and he exists in barbie land run by barbies and feels stressed that barbie doesn't really have much to do with him so, as Barbie is uh leaving Barbieland, he sneaks into her back seat when she leaves for the real world and sets off on the journey with her and Then, next, when they get to the real world, Ken realizes that things are run by men, and there's that montage of like golf, beer, horses, Mount Rushmore, and all of this like manly stuff he experiences it's it's brilliant and it's hilarious and it's just like let's compact all these manly things into one thing And i think he's like sitting in the library and he uh he's just like researching how to be a man because he starts he gets treated he comes when they get to the real world he starts getting treated with respect because in barbie land he didn't really have any respect and in in the real world it's like hey you're a man treat you with respect so he finds a new purpose and his new purpose becomes to bring this patriarchy of reality back to Barbie land. And now at this at that point in the movie when he comes to these realizations and he decides that he wants to bring this manliness and this patriarchy back to Barbie land, he's starting to become this villain of the movie. I'd say if there is like a primary villain of the movie, it's probably him and the other Kens. Mattel, the company Mattel, is also a villain, but I feel like they're like this secondary villain. I think Ken and all the Kens are the obviously the primary villains of the movie. But meanwhile, while Ken is headed back to set up his Casa Dojo house back in Barbie Land, Barbie finds the girl who she believes she is soul-bonded with, who is actually the daughter of Gloria. And she's kind of a, uh, you know she's kind of like a badass she's like i'm here i'm not taking this barbie but she's also kind of mean because like barbie shows up and barbie's just like hey everything's fun and chill and it's gonna be a good time why are you so sad why am i feeling sad please let's not feel sad um but gloria's daughter sasha says you set the feminist movement back 50 years you destroyed girls innate sense of self Worth, and at that point a bomb goes off in Barbie's head because she never meant to make kids feel bad. She she only ever wanted to create happiness and empower kids. And this scene is a reflection of how society in gen- in general has interacted with Barbie over the past few decades. She was created to help empower, but mutated into being. Once again, this standard for perfection, this packaged and sold version of what a woman should look like, dress like, and act like. And Sasha represents society saying, how dare you force-feed us this version of a beautiful, happy woman while we are actively being oppressed, hurt, and pushed down, and objectified. And she's not wrong. Um, But also, Barbie isn't wrong either. So Barbie in the movie hadn't thought of these things before. She thought she was just helping people. She didn't know that Sasha society was upset about anything, which in reality, Mattel did know that they were upset and they were actively trying to make changes to the standards that they were, um, I guess, unintentionally creating by manufacturing Barbies. So while all this conflict is going on between Barbie and Sasha, Ken is headed back to Barbie Land to take over with all of the other Kens. He learned about how men oppress women in the real world, and he heads back to take over all of the dream homes and make his, once again, his Kens Casa Dojo house. They're drinking beers, they're watching sports, and mobster movies. They're lifting heavy weights, and just generally being macho, in the most maximum degree. And all of this, like, amplification and maximizing is in true Barbie fashion. You know, to, it, it, it's, the true Barbie fashion is to amplify the aspects of something to the highest degree, to go, like, full tilt. And this is what the movie did with Ken's masculine breakthrough, They made him the most macho that they could. And also, he's he's, at the same time, he's hurt. He feels like Barbie has been ignoring him and, and, and putting him last for a really long time, or since his existence. And there's this mode he gets into, and it's like, how does it feel? It hurts to be second best. Doesn't it? And then the audience is seeing this, and they've been wanting to side with Barbie, or at least I was. I was like, yeah, Ken, you can't do this. You're what are you thinking? And then, but then also at the same time, Ken isn't wrong. Like he shouldn't have been cast aside, and he shouldn't have been forgotten. Um, but also, he did take things way too far. <laughs> he got. He got corrupted by the patriarchy of the real world. And he, he was trying to balance the scales, but he went way too hard with it, you know. Or I don't know if he was trying to balance the scales at that point. I think he was more so just like, he was emotionally hurt. He was like, my whole existence has been about being your boyfriend and you don't want anything to do with me. And it, it's, it hurts. So this is where Ken's headspace is at this point in the movie. And I love that line that's closer to the end of the movie when... um the Barbies take Barbie land back and Ken's like, I, I," he's like, he says something like I wasn't really into patriarchy or I kind of lost interest in patriarchy after I found out it wasn't really about horses. (laughs) It's like, and also when he's in the real world at the library, he's checking out a bunch of books and man on, on manly stuff. And one of the books is just called about horses. And also if you didn't notice the whole inside of his giant fur coat is decked out with like horse pattern silk ken really did think it was just about horses for a minute i just like how they embedded those little easter eggs in there to to push that joke to the next level hey yo so this is like the middle of the show and i wanted to first of all thank everyone for dialing into this podcast i'm glad that you're here and i'm glad that you are sharing this experience with me if you'd like to support the podcast leaving a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening to this on goes a really, really long way. Also, if you are able to leave a review for the podcast, uh, that also goes an an extremely long way. Uh, Another way you can support the podcast, other than just telling your friends and family about it, is signing up on my Patreon. There is a link in the description of this episode and all the episodes, or you can just go to patreon.com and search for Mount Analog, M-T, period, A-N-A-L-O-G-U-E. You get early access to podcasts, early access to my music, um, early access to art, and all kinds of other cool stuff. However you support, I cannot thank you enough. Infinite, infinite, infinite thank yous. I love you. Infinite blessings to you. Let's get back to the podcast. But I'm not gonna go I'm not gonna go too deep into the into America's and the world's system of patriarchy here. I'm just gonna say that women are oppressed, they aren't treated as equals, and in lots of part, lots of parts of the world, they're kind of just treated like slaves. And it's really gross, it's really weird, and we need to do better as a species. But that, however, is a whole podcast topic itself, and I feel like most of you already know those facts. I'm, I'm going to try and just stick with Barbie and the Barbie movie before I go off on this super tangent of patriarchy. Ultimately, I feel like with Ken, at the end of the movie, Barbie and he both realize that there needs to be a balance she had been ignoring the masculine and he had been obviously going way overboard with the masculine. And also she tells him to let go of the idea that he only exists to be with her. And that even Beach isn't something he has to be. And he's he uh struggles with this and has a really hard time coming to any sort of conclusion of who he is until he lets it all go. That he didn't need to be a boyfriend, he didn't need to be Beach, he was Knuff. And that scene's really great too, because I feel like the writers um well they're kind of they're kinda doing this throughout the whole movie, but but this one really just hit. they you know in the, in this scene they were talking directly to the audience they're kind of saying however you've been programmed to feel however you've programmed yourself to feel whatever you think you are you don't have to be any of that just because you've built this version or this construct of yourself that you think is correct doesn't mean that it necessarily is. And maybe you've been ignoring the most special pieces of yourself. Maybe you need to let go of the things that you think make you, you. And doing that is what liberates Ken. And speaking of liberation, the scene where he says that he understands that crying doesn't make you weak, because he's a liberated man <laughs> like that one got me too because it's true because it's true but if he says it in like such a macho way he's just like i know that i'm no i know that i know that crying doesn't make me weak because i'm a liberated man <laughs> that one had me dying but um let's get back to barbie when she comes back to barbie land with gloria i know i'm kind of jumping around i'm kind of jumping all around here but you've seen the movie so i think staying like linear isn't super important i'm just gonna i'm just gonna run i'm just gonna run with it so stick with me but uh she comes back to barbie land with gloria and sasha and the kens have taken over and all of the other barbies have been brainwashed into roles of maids and housekeepers, and she falls into a pit of despair. And this is where uh, Barbie breaks and, like, loses hope. But Gloria isn't really having it. Uh, She gives a super inspirational speech that snaps Barbie out of it and restores her hope. And I just love that they, I love how they framed that. It's such a trope in so many movies, like "All you need is an inspirational speech to change the tides of war." But also at the same time, there is something to be said about an inspirational speech, because um, int- inspirational speeches in our reality and in-, in our reality, in the real world have been uh, proven to awaken the spirit of the oppressed. So I'm just going to read her inspirational speech. I know you saw it in the movie, but it's really good. It is literally impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful and so smart, and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like, we always have to be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. You have to be thin, but not too thin, and you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, But also, you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money, because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer to men's bad behavior, which is insane, but if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be part of the sisterhood, but always stand out and always be grateful, but never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, Never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory. And nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And if all that is also true for a doll just representing women, then I don't even know. And that speech that speech wakes Barbie up and they devise a plan to trick all of the Kens into fighting each other and taking back Barbie Land. So yeah, speeches work. Speeches um are very impactful. Like the Martin Luther King I had a dream I have a dream speech or the Gettysburg address or Emma Watson's gender is equality speech from 2014 or Greta Thunberg's we'll be watching you speech from 2019 speeches in power really like really thoughtful ones in power but like i said this this really potent speech wakes barbie up and now um, all the barbies devise this plan to get barbie land back and this gets me to what this gets us to one of my favorite scenes in the movie where the Kens and the Barbies are all sitting on the beach and all singing the 1996 Matchbox 20 hit Push to the Barbies and they're really like they're singing it at them they're all like locked into their eyes with their guitars and it even pans back all of them are on the beach with guitars and it pans back and one of the Kens is on a drum set and they're all singing it it's just hilarious but also uh As I'm sure you noticed, the lyrics of the song are so uh, poetically intertwined with what is happening in the movie. Like, Ken Ken has gone full, all the Kens have gone full macho, and they're kind of pushing Barbie around. So this song is perfect. I said I don't know if I've ever been good enough. I'm a little bit rusty and I think my head is caving in And I don't know if I've ever really been loved By a hand that's touched me and I feel like something's got to give But I'm a little bit angry, well, this ain't over, no, not here And then, like, like (laughs) Like, all of that, all of that works so perfectly with this. And then just the whole, I wanna push you around, yeah, I will, yeah, I will. It's just, it's too good. It's too perfect of a song for them to pick for this moment. <laughs> the Kens are starting to fully embrace their maximum macho-ness. And this song completely uh, exemplifies their new mode of thinking. But of course, this, uh, as you know, it doesn't work. The Barbies trick the Kens, they make them jealous, and flash forward to the the battle scene on the beach, which is another one of my favorites. It's It's so colorful and so bombastic and so beautiful. And it's so real and true to the nature of humanity. The Kens' lust for power and their jealousy drove them to war with each other. And the Barbies knew that this would happen. Even in perfect Barbie land, this is unavoidable. The scene itself is amazing. The chest bump energy glitter vortex between the two Kens, and none of them have any real weapons. So they're using like tennis rackets and life preservers and umbrellas and... Because weapons don't exist in Barbie World, in Barbieland, and I think that I think like the closest thing that you see that that could be a weapon is the is like a suction cup bow and arrow, and it's on a beach like D Day. It's like D Day in in Barbieland. the The choreography of all of the dancing and all of the battling and just all of the music, it's just chef's kiss. So we've talked about Ken's existential realization. But what about Barbie's? Hers is similar, but also very complex. Initially, she leaves Barbie land because of vanity. Her feet go flat. She notices cellulite. Her perfect appliances aren't functioning right anymore. She's losing her sense of grace. She goes to the real world in the first place because of a kind of selfish reason or selfish reasons, but she learns about suffering and she learns about pain. She fully realizes she isn't in love with Ken and even says at one point, I don't think I have an ending. After her discussion with Ken about finding out who he truly is, she gets whisked off to an all-white plane of reality with Ruth Handler Her creator, essentially her god. And in this scene, I kind of feel like it's like Barbie's died. Or when I was watching this, I was thinking, like, whoa, did they kill Barbie? You know, she can't go back to being Barbie because she's been through too much and understands too much now to go back to that superficial, stereotypical Barbie life. And also, she literally meets her maker in this scene. And I feel like that 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 sentiment wasn't lost on the viewers. Like Barbie leaves, goes to this all white plane, uh, meets her maker. I was thinking, and like as I was watching it, like Barbie's dead. This is really my favorite part of the movie when Barbie and her maker are just existing in this this white plane with now soft colored light projected on them, and it's a visually it's a contrast to the otherwise. Vibrant, explosive colors of Barbie land. And Barbie has this subjectivity now. She feels that she exists on her own terms. And that kind of scares her. She's never felt that before. She says, I don't feel like Barbie anymore. And she's had this awakening. She says, I want to be the one imagining, not the idea. And this is really important here. She comes to the realization that she has the capacity to be a divine creator and not just someone else's plan. She realizes that she's more than just a toy playing around in an experience created for her. She wants to create an experience. And this also comes back to the feminist and humanist nature of this movie. I'm not an object to be used for anyone's purpose. I create my own purpose. And when Ruth tells Barbie to close your eyes, now feel. Barbie sees this montage of families and friends spending time together and laughing And all of this footage, all this footage in the movie is actually, um, sourced from the cast and crew, which was just a neat little thing that I read. Like, I didn't know that when I was watching the movie, but that makes it even that much more special. And Barbie sees all this. She sees this montage of life and laughter and light, and she couldn't access these thoughts and emotions as a fictional character, but now she's become real. And she realizes that humanity and those that exist aren't defined by their careers or their outfits, and that life is about a deeper spiritual connection. A connection of generations and hopes and dreams that are passed on through the passage of time. And then everything fades to white. And for me, um when i was watching this like i said i thought like i thought she had this grand realization and she was like okay i'm i'm good i'm done being barbie so i'm dead and i really thought in the movie that they killed her and i thought that that's how they were gonna not killed her but i thought that that she was like i'm out and that was just it but then it snaps back into the real world and we get the wonderful scene of barbie going to the gynecologist in the birken uh birkenstock sandals which obviously is meaning to say that Barbie is now a part of womanhood. And she is now a part of this cycle of mothers and daughters and, and this feminine cycle of life and death and rebirth. And I, I think that Mattel has successfully rebranded or solidified the branding of Barbie as a feminist icon in this movie. And it's wild how that it all kind of started this way. And it's cool to see it come full circle, where the initial ethos of Barbie is actualized for a new generation. This movie is also um, important because it's a great expose on mental health. It's another reminder that no one is perfect. Not even the most seemingly perfect people have their shit together. And that's completely okay and it's completely okay to change. That change is healthy and also inevitable and that change hurts, but it is very very important. So I love Barbie's journey. I love her um I love her realization of what the mean what her meaning of life becomes and I love her capacity for change in this movie and I love her ability to Go outside of her stereotypical um, artificial world and see beyond into the realness of life. So I kind of feel like it's it's getting closer to the end of the podcast. I just have a few more notes and then a couple more segments. But I didn't really. I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the characters I didn't really touch on. Um, I didn't really talk too much about the Mattel CEO, Will Farrell, because I think, uh, you know, I think he did a great job and I loved his performance, but I think it was more so there for the sake of comedy. It doesn't add too much to the plot other than just like comedy, but he does an amazing job at doing that. He was kind of a villain in the sense that he was trying to capture Barbie to repackage her and keep her from escaping. But I don't think there was much to be said about his connection to Barbie or Ken's mental awakening, other than he kind of feels like uh, the chaos element that's, that's just existing, that just exists in reality, that piece of reality that's going to come after you, whether you want it to or not, or whether you can't anticipate it, you can't predict it. I feel like in this movie, he represents the chaos element. He did have some really great lines though. One of his lines was, we sell dreams, imagination, and sparkle. And when you you think of sparkle, what do you think of next? Female agency. (laughs) I think, in case you don't know what female agency is, it is the capacity of women and girls to take purposeful action and pursue goals free from the threat of violence or retribution so i just thought that was a fun i thought that was a funny line where he's like oh we sell sparkle we sell glam we sell imagination and what do you think of when you think of that You think that. i just thought it was good <laughs> will farrell you've done it again i'm not going to downplay his role in the movie I just think that for the most part, it was fun and goofy, and that's okay, because that vibe is, nece- is a necessary part of any movie that has to do with Barbie. And we obviously have to talk about Alan. There are no multiples of Alan. He's just Alan. Alan is kind of like weird Barbie, in the sense that he has a perception of the real world. He knows there is more to reality than just Barbie Land. And has emotions beyond those of his kin peers. He's an ally to Barbies everywhere. Even in the face of the impending patriarchy infiltration to Barbieland, he stood strong and whipped that ass. The scene where he's um, he's like choking out one of the Kens with the shovel—that was cinematic gold. I was like I was hysterically laughing, and that whole fight sequence was cinematic gold. This movie got some hate. Obviously, any movie that has to do with uh, female empowerment is going to get some hate. But I think that it's just, like, that's just the thing. Like, this movie isn't just about female empowerment. I think that the haters that either have or haven't watched it have this idea that it's a man-hating piece of cinema. And I don't think it's that at all. It's also not about trying to prove that women are better than men. At the end of the movie, we see uh, Barbies wanting a more equal society, and then Ken chimes in and says, "Yeah, maybe we could have a seat at the Supreme Court." And the Barbie president's like, "Absolutely not. Maybe a seat in the House of Representatives." And and I I I like I like that they ended it that way because instead of saying all the problems are solved, everything's equal, this ending is more of a reflection of the real world like barbie land still has work to do to be a truly equal equal society just as we do in our reality we have lots of work to do and i think i think some of the haters um missed this whole point the barbies in this movie aren't painted as these perfect superior beings it's actually quite the contrary like they're painted as flawed and in need of revolution. And so are the Kens. Ain't that the truth? Aren't we all in need of a, of a, of a spiritual and mental revolution? And for the writers and crew to embed all of this uh, mental, sociopolitical, and spiritual stuff into the movie, this one gets a Ken out of Ken from me. They brought people in with the flashiness of Barbie and then they gave them the story of existential dread and the story of rebirth and renewal and almost like enlightenment. Like this story parallels a lot with the story of Buddha, Prince Siddhartha living in this perfect majesty in a palace, but one day recognizes that there is suffering on the outside of his walls uh, and this causes him to go on a spiritual, spiritual journey to identify and alleviate the source of suffering, becoming one with the present and realizing that attachment is the cause of suffering. Attachment to glam, attachment to horses, attachment to shoes, to girls' night, and even to beach. And that's just my take on, on, on all of this. And I thought it was a really, I thought it was executed really nicely. I laughed. I cried. I thought. Speaking of thoughts, let's see what AI thinks with this next segment called Let's Ask AI. Let's Ask AI. Let's ask AI. I asked AI, what is the spiritual significance of the Barbie movie? And AI answered, The spiritual significance of the Barbie movie is a matter of interpretation. Some people believe that the movie is a metaphor for the journey of self-discovery and self-acceptance. Others believe that the movie is a commentary on the nature of reality and the role of imagination. Here are some of the spiritual themes that have been explored in the Barbie movie. The importance of self-acceptance. The movie shows Barbie struggling to accept herself for who she is. She is constantly comparing herself to others and trying to be someone she is not. In the end, she learns to love and accept herself for who she is. The Power of Imagination The movie shows how Barbie's imagination allows her to escape from her reality and explore new possibilities. She is able to imagine herself as anything she wants to be, and this helps her to build her true self. The nature of reality. The movie raises questions about the nature of reality. Is reality what we perceive it to be, or is it something more? Barbie's journey of self-discovery leads her to question everything she thought she knew about herself and the world around her. Ultimately, the spiritual significance of the Barbie movie is up to the individual to decide. There is no right or wrong answer. However, the movie does offer a thought-provoking exploration of some important spiritual themes. Here are some additional thoughts on the matter. The Barbie movie has been praised for its positive message of self-acceptance and empowerment. The movie has also been criticized for its unrealistic portrayal of beauty and its lack of diversity. Despite its flaws, the Barbie movie is a thought-provoking film that offers a unique perspective on the journey of self-discovery. And they say it right there like this, the Barbie movie has been praised for its positive message of self-acceptance and empowerment. I think that is the the that is one of the core aspects of this movie. It is self-empowering and it does um it does hold this positive message of self-acceptance and i think that's that people need that people need to see that and people really got that with this movie i didn't really read too much about there being uh criticism for lack of diversity i thought like watching the movie honestly that there was a lot of diversity but maybe i'm wrong i don't i i didn't read anything on that um Up next, we are going to get into some fun facts. I'm just going to do four for this episode, um, but I kept them them on point with Barbie, so let's get into them. The woman that Barbie calls beautiful at the bus stop is costume designer Anne Roth. The 91-year-old designer is known for her costume work in Midnight Cowboy, Hair, The Talented Mr. Ripley, The Village, Mamma Mia, and more, for which she has won two Academy Awards. She is an industry veteran. I just thought that was cool that they picked this person who's been a part of so many uh, classic movies to play that role. An industry veteran and obviously a very strong person, very strong woman. Fact number two is that in the scene where Ruth Handler and Barbie meet for the first time and have their tea their hands reach out and touch and in this scene it is shot to look like the creation of adam by michelangelo imitating the moment when god gives life to the first man i'm sure everyone knows everyone knows this image if you if you're not if you don't have it in your head right now think of like two fingers reaching out and touching each other and that will f- spark with this image is in your in your mind um but they modeled they modeled that scene of their hands touching of barbie barbie the created and ruth the creator reaching out in this similar fashion number three is that this movie is very inspired by the wizard of oz When Barbie and Ken are leaving Barbie Land, there is a movie theater that they pass playing The Wizard of Oz. Also, when they leave, they are on a pink brick road. And just the overall plot and screenplay parallels The Wizard of Oz, uh, like tales of young women going on journeys that change their worlds. They're colorful and dazzling and larger than life, and they have these sets, uh, that are also larger than life, and seem like they exist in their own universe. But you can just tell when you think about it, like, there's lots of inspiration going on here from from The Wizard of Oz. This last one, I'm sure most of you did realize this, but if you didn't realize, uh, the opening scene where the little girls are smashing their baby dolls and looking up at Barbie in her black-and-white striped bathing suit, that is an homage to 2001 A Space Odyssey. I'm sure most of you know that. I feel like most people did and picked up on that. But the thing you may not have n- picked up on, I didn't, just because I, I'm not deep into Barbie lore, is that the outfit she's wearing, that black and white bathing suit, is the is the outfit that the very first Barbie ever produced was wearing way back in March of 1959. So there you have it. My take on the Barbie movie. And I hope I hope it left you feeling empowered and aware that change is always possible. The world has gotten better over time, but we should always strive for better. And we still have a lot of work to do for equality, for spirituality, for mental health. So keep laughing and keep smiling and keep using your imagination to envision the future. That you want to be a part of. You are enough. Remember to check on your mental health. And remember to check on the mental health of your loved ones. Bye. Thoughts. Thoughts.